on this episode of AV Week, we talk about QSC getting on the server, server level DSP processing. Also talk about VR in VTC and raising up the next generation of AV leaders. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Daylight. This is AV Week, episode 283, recorded Friday, January 27th, 2017. AV Bliss. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening, downloading, and or streaming this very podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, to talk about such uh, news and information that we have on the docket today, first and foremost, my buddy, pal, and uh, fine um, a Scottish band drummer person. Her name is Dawn Mead. She works for NetAV, but oh yeah, she hosts a show here called AV Social. How are you, ma'am? Very good, thanks. And Wesley apparently is joining us because he's feeling codependent today. Wesley is her, is her. I almost said Scotty. It's a Wesley, Wesley, Wesley dog. So, uh, also with us uh, is a, a new one for me. Um, his name is Bo- Do- Bo- Good Lord, Bob Timbury. Uh, Bob wrote a couple blogs for us uh, the last few weeks. Um, he used to work with Josh Trago when Josh worked for for Toa. Uh, he's an independent consultant. So, welcome, Mr. Bob. How are you, sir? Uh, doing fine, Tim. Thanks. Hi to you, and hello, Don. Thanks for uh, having me on. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm saying video. You're, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're watching the video, there is no Bob video. So um, we we thought about putting a picture up of somebody, but we 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 decided against it. How about that? Um, first and foremost, uh, news came out this week, and um, I think it was posted on Monday is when it, it was when it came out. Um, QSC is working with Dell. Uh, we're using the story from Commercial Integrated, but they're they're all over the place. Um, there's something's happening in in the AV industry, and it actually it's something goes back to some stuff that I wrote about almost a year ago now about systems that are currently um, hardware dependent moving to the servers. Um, this is what I mean by that. Uh, I, I wrote a couple of pieces uh, for Commercial Integrator and actually for AV Nation about control systems moving to a server level system. Uh, Don was uh, uh, actually introduced me to the the folks at Utelogy years ago. It's what they do, right? Their control systems are, are on the server level. I'm looking and watching the the control systems uh, industry kind of move towards that. Well, QSC has jumped. <laughs> with two feet into this, said, you know what, here you go. So starting at ISC this year, which is a, about a, a week and a half from, from this recording, we're recording the 27th of January, they're going to start showing this. Um, we talked for a few minutes with, with, with TJ uh, Adams over at QSC about this, and, and you know, he basically says, you can get a Dell server from QSC. Starting you know, after, um, after ISC. They're going to start showing this. They're going to make the software available eventually to where it's going to be. You got, you you can put it on this Dell server. 
it's a freaking server, right? It's just, I shouldn't say it's just a server, but it's just a server. Here's where we're headed, guys. This is where we're headed as an industry. The, the, the debate about IT and AV and convergence and all that BS is, is gone and done. With Honestly, and I don't mean to put too fine of a point on, on this, but with this product, and with this move is is my two cents, um, but that's why I have people smarter than me on this show. So, Don, first and foremost, what do you think about this move, and where does this put you know us as an industry? Well, I think um, for from from the point of view of QSC, that's a brilliant move. I mean, this is exactly where we're headed as an industry. More and more as an integrator, my competitors aren't Joe's House of AV down the street like it used to be or even the you know facilities guy at the place hanging their own TVs, that's not who we're competing against. We're competing against the big IT houses. And so by making a product like this, that's very IT friendly, that's on the server already running on the network, it's language those companies understand. It's language the people who are buying the products understand because are people buying the products anymore? Occasionally you'll get a purchasing person, but in the old days it was facilities. It might've been just a, an end user that was in charge of things. Nowadays, we're dealing with IT. If you can't sell the CIO or the IT managers over to your product, you're not gonna have your product in the system. So I think it's a brilliant move on QSC's part. Um, for the industry as a whole, it just continues what we've been talking about um, on some of our shows and in blogs all over the industry. That IT and AV are so intertwined at this point that convergence is not just history. I mean, it, it seems like this is how it's always been. There are people coming into the industry that only know AVIT or ITAV, yeah. if you want to put it that way. And so if it's something I mentioned on, I think on our year recap show, for the integrator, for, for people like me, for companies like mine, this is either a death knell or a massive opportunity. It's a death knell if you're not willing to change and if you're going to keep selling boxes and putting in your boxes and installing your boxes and boy, I've got boxes. But for those that are willing to change, that are willing to say, I'm going to invest in IT training for my guys. I'm going to invest in a more services and expertise model because we're selling this, not a box. Those are the companies that are going to survive. And my own company, NetAV, started this about 2015, 20, end of 2014. It's a, it's a slow thing. If you've been in the industry for 20 years doing the same thing, selling boxes, it, you know, it's not like turning a speedboat or a, or a jet ski. You're turning a ship on the ocean, and it takes a while to get that pivot in place. And uh, you know, if you're not already doing it, integrators, you better start. You should have started a couple years ago when we did because we're still not quite there yet. We're getting there, but we're a lot further ahead than you. And hopefully, you know, if, if you're not willing to change, you're going to be left behind. So and you, um, you make a good point in the fact that it takes a while to adjust. Um, it takes a while to change what you sell or, or maybe how you sell is right. a better way to say that. Absolutely. Um, all right, Mr. Bob, um, from your standpoint, where does this put us as, as, an, as an industry? Uh, well, I, it, it's sort of an indicator of a trend that's, that we've seen, you know, for several years now. And, and as you both mentioned, the move toward IT is, is certainly well underway. Um, QSC seems to be a company that is that, that sort of in their comfort zone. So they feel obviously confident that they can mitigate the issues. And as Don mentioned, you know, this could be both a um, a, a disaster or a major opportunity, depending on how it goes. And by that, I mean, 
Um, you know, for those industries, we've seen it, for example, in the music industry with um, the change from uh, workstations with embedded systems to Mac-based and PC-based uh, type of systems for desktop, uh, you know, workstations. And as with that, uh, as anybody who's ever worked with those systems knows, there's always a clash between hardware and software providers. And for the end user not familiar with that, it's, it's a real challenge to... Uh, to be able to, you know, get things to work sometimes, and and then also just the communication link between, you know, who are you going to talk to? Are you going to talk to the hardware manufacturer, or are you going to talk to the software manufacturer? And there tends to be, in many cases, finger pointing. Um, you know, something again that companies like QSC are probably a little ahead of, ahead of the curve on this, uh, but we have to be careful so we don't wind up in that sort of not real pretty scenario where companies that aren't able to support uh, the PC side, the server side, you know, in addition to their own products, um, that, that could be a very messy situation. So, you know, this is something we've seen in this trend where the AV, the traditional AV people uh, have not necessarily felt real comfortable moving over to the IT side. And that's why a lot of that business has moved over to IT companies, as Dawn mentioned. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, we're trending in that direction for sure. And the reason it's going to take so long is it's going to take a while for either the AV folks to adapt and, and to learn that side of it in, in a more meaningful way, uh, and as well as for customers to understand who, who their point of contact is, who it is they're dealing with. Um, that's, that's still sort of a, in a state of flux in, in some cases. Um, but again, the opportunities are there as well. So I, I think it's got its pluses and minuses, certainly depending on how you look at it. No, absolutely. Uh, we're gonna move from this into a not quite future casting, but sort of future casting. Um, Bob, you wrote a couple of pieces, actually three pieces, uh, three articles, and so thank you for us it, talking about virtual reality and virtual reality in the realm of. VC of, of video conferencing and, and talk, walk me through this just a little bit about first of all where this idea came from, uh, but also where do you think you know, where you think you know VR really belongs in in the, in the AV space. Uh, well, that's a great question. Uh, I think I was inspired somewhat. Obviously, there's been a lot of buzz lately about VR. You know, certainly in consumer circles. Uh, and it's uh, been portrayed a lot in pop culture and, and movies and so on. So I think there's a, a sort of general awareness of it. Um, but we look at uh, technologies that are now being uh, well entrenched in the, in the corporate space. Uh, there's certainly traditional video conferencing. You have, um, you know, you have telepresence systems, which can be, you know, kind of more on the high end. And I was just sort of trying to examine where this is all leading and, and what the real um, payoff is in, in the end. Now, the thing to be cautious of here uh, is that this is potentially very disruptive technology. And what that certainly means is, you know, again, there's a dark side and a light side to this, uh, you know, depending on where you are in, in the, uh, in the, on the puzzle board, which is that, you know, whether, as the technology matures and we start to really see a benefit to this where it becomes usable enough and transparent enough and a real benefit to the end user, then we have to look at what that means for the traditional systems that are out there. 
So if we envision, and one of the things I wrote about in the article, sort of taking it, you know, 10 years, 20 years ahead to look at where this technology may go and what the scenario is for us actually utilizing it, um, would would preclude the idea of that of of the hardware that we're currently using might not be the same at all. It could be very very different. So both as a user, as as an integrator, somebody you know maybe selling or installing these systems, and certainly as a manufacturer, the question is going to be where where's the place for me in this game going forward. So one of the things I tried to illustrate was if we pare this down to let's say a pair of goggles with a little headset or an embedded microphone and a whole lot of processing connected to a network, uh, there's you're not going to necessarily have the racks of DSP that we have now. You're not necessarily going to have cameras. You're not going to have video displays. You're not going to have switching. You're not going to have a lot of those things that we currently rely on as part of the solution. So while it, you know, as with any progression in technology, the, the thing we have to look at is what does that displace? Um, there's obviously a benefit to it in terms of, you know, we have the ability to communicate on a, on a, on a di way different level, on a, on a much more effective level than perhaps we do now. And we make that accessible to more and more people. But as that technology, I mean, you look at, for example, all the things that the smartphone has displaced. We no longer, well, we do, but they certainly the role is diminished significantly. But things like uh, standalone gaming systems, uh, standalone cameras, and many of those devices that used to be, you know, discrete objects and, and where there were whole business models built around them are now pared down to a single device that everyone carries around with them. Well, yeah, so, there, there's a wonderful with, meme that went, that went around, good Lord, eight, six, five or six years ago, illustrating all the things from the, the, the late 80s, early 90s of, you know, it, it's a picture and it almost looks like an old Radio Shack um, print ad where it's got a video cam, you know, the, the old camcorder, has a Walkman, has an Atari, it has all these things. It has a day planner or a day timer, uh, all these things that is in, the, is in your pocket, right, is in, is in the palm of your hand. And you're right, you know, all that stuff has been displaced. Don, from a, a marketing and a, and a sales st standpoint, it, what, how do you take this to the client, all right? How, how do you... Prepare, you know, prepare this and say, you know what? Here's here's an idea. Here's you know, again, future casting for a technology that that's not quite ready for prime time yet, but it's 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 almost there. Well, I mean, to be honest, Tim, I don't think it's something I'm going to be selling to my clients today or tomorrow. It's something I may mention to them as coming down the road, something to think about in certain applications. Um, you know. Uh, Bob made a fantastic case in this article about, you know, the virtual meeting space and rolling out of bed, not having to worry about getting all cute to get on camera like some of us have to do before coming on these podcasts, um, you know, and, and just having your avatar or your your pre-done face, so to speak, yeah. take your part in that virtual meeting. Uh, that, 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 that's the dream. I, you know, I, I personally think that would be fantastic. We're not quite there yet. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the first thing that we're selling VR to our customers for, but I do see a lot of application for it in things like medical training. Some of the same people that are our first use cases for the 4K technology are going to be some of the first use cases for VR in the corporate world. The, the, the military, um, if they're not already using it, military simulation, medical simulation, um, those sorts of, you know, uh, engineering departments for 3D imaging and, and planning of their thing before they build their thing 
to work out the bugs. I think those are going to be our first customers. The, the video conferencing aspect of it will come. It will be there. Too many people have watched the Jetsons for too many years to not want that. Yep. But um, yeah, I, I'm not going to sell it this second, but to certain ones of my customers, I will bring it up as a future point. And I, I just have to say, yeah, Bob, fantastic article. As I was reading it, I, I'm a student of what's coming down the road, as a lot of you may know, with my obsessing for over a decade of OLED before OLED became a thing. Um, and probably five, six years ago now at Infocom, I sat in on a future trend session. And one of the things they discussed that's coming down the road is this whole virtual presence in meetings, virtual presence. They brought up the case of Second Life. Now, I don't even know if Second Life is still a thing, but even five, six years ago, people were kind of doing this, having meetings and actually engaging in professional commerce on something like Second Life that really was a computer generated avatar. So, you know, five, six years ago, that's happening. It's coming. It's, it's not a fake false flag. It's not something that's not gonna happen. It's not a wild pipe dream. It's just a matter of getting the technology caught up and convincing the users. And the more they see things like this in the media, in movies, you know, the matrix, what have you, um, even different episodes of SVU, for instance, use the virtual world, virtual reality kind of premise. You know, the more they see this in the media, the more they want or think that they can use this in their real lives. So don't write it off. It's not quite here yet, but you can start laying the groundwork, I think, with your customers. Yeah. Second Life, actually, their, their servers are, are still up and running. There was uh, some some things surrounding the uh, the U.S. presidential inauguration about Second Life and, you know, stuff like that. I'm not sure how popular it is as, as paired to five or six years ago, but it is still technically there. Yeah, yeah. You know. For those for the, for the young kids, you just go ahead and Google it, and you know you can look and make fun of what we used to do ten years ago. So, uh, all right, last story here, guys, before I let you get out of here. Um, this one comes to us from our good friend Lindsay Adler, and I, I love this article. And I love this story. Um, the the story is actually about Dave Labuskis, um, and a Christmas morning, twenty thirty years ago, when when Dave was a kid, and. It talked. He he gave this this talk during the AV Executive Conference back in November, uh, and, and this is Lindsay writing about this. Um, but Dave's experience getting this Tandy Radio Shack computer, uh, which should it illustrate how long ago it was. I'm not going to punk Dave out and, and reveal how old he is, but getting that computer and getting the experience of tinkering. And of learning and getting his hands on and, and becoming enthralled in this industry, um, and talking about then how our, our leadership of today are those tinkerers of of you know twenty and thirty years ago. Don, when it comes to how you know our leadership is coming up, and I mentioned this because we have a lot of really great folks who are younger than 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 Don and I that would are going to do really great things when it comes to. Um, our leadership and, and the industry. How do how do we get them involved, and how do we get them, you know, the people that are coming behind the Josh Regos, the people behind the the Mike Shins, and um, and those folks that um, how do we get them involved and get them excited about the industry just as much as as Labuskas was, you know, twenty years ago with with his Tandy computer. Well, I don't think it's something you can put an age on. I mean, I, I can't speak for you, Tim, but I know myself, I was a girly girl. I was playing with Barbie and things, but I had an uncle who had a TRS-80. 
or, you know, back when the internet consisted of maybe you could use a tape drive and you could dial up on the phone to a bulletin board, you know, and I was like six or seven. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world that my uncle who was practically a shut in from injury was able to talk to people in other states and other places on this computer and, and, you know, find it, share information with them. That kind of passion of, of you can do that isn't exclusive to people that are our age and slightly older than us and a little bit younger than us. Every year there's new things coming up. And I think that the Shragos and the, the Shins and the Perkinses for Kelly, shout out to the girls, <laughs> um, you know, they're lucky. And the ones after them are lucky because they're growing up with it already as a thing, you know, like we were kind of there when web pages started, where you could put a picture on a web page, like blew my mind, you know, and, and when we finally got rid of the dial up horrible noise that you hear, that was, you know, phenomenal. We were part of the first wave, the ones after us are the second, third, fourth waves. And every one of them has some piece of technology that they've grown up with, that they might find a new use for, or they might see it in a different way once we share what it is we do. And I think the biggest way to bring them in as passionate AV per professionals and eventually as AV leaders is to, you know, get out there and talk about what we do. Uh, you know, Infocom itself is what, over 80 years, 80, 80 years old yeah. as an as a industry association. The AV industry, if you want to go in the broadest sense, has been around over 100 years since the first cinemas in the 1800s. I mean, that you know, it's crazy the length that we've, had our technology in the world and people still don't understand that we are a professional industry. We're being subsumed by IT, but they have to see that we're specialty within IT, that you can go to school, you don't have to learn to program, but you can, you can focus on AV. You can make a career out of it. You need the programming now, you need the IT skills, but it's still a viable career path. And if we show younger people in middle school, high school, college, first entering the work field, that you can do this for a living, that you can make money and have a cool life playing with big kid toys and have, you know, your very own microphone and your very own big screen and, and, and high def camera in your house. Yes, Wesley. You know, if we show them that that's a thing, get them excited about it, then they'll pursue it and they'll find their own parallels to draw from the technology they grew up with to where it's going in the professional world. You know, it's not us. It's not up to us as the older generation. God, I'm the older generation. To say you're not the oldest generation, though. <laughs> I didn't say oldest. Okay. I said older, older. But it's it's not up to us to draw those parallels for them and and give force the passion down their throat. Yeah. It's up to us to share our passion and say you're lucky because you have all this technology you grew up with. If you go into this, you can find a way to bring this and beyond. You know, you can path blaze new paths. So I think that's the real key is reach out to younger students, to, you know, e even elementary school kids, you know, yeah. find them young, show them that we're a thing, that we're a legitimate career path that you, you convince their parents, you can actually make money doing this and then let them find their bliss, you know, let them tinker, let them play, let them figure out how to take this phone and those VR glasses and have that meeting that Bob was talking about with virtual avatars. Cause I don't necessarily think it's going to be us doing that. It might be their generation doing that, yeah. you know, within a couple of years, once they're in the workplace. So, you know, show them our passion, share our passion, but let them find their own passion with their own technology since they're the digital natives, even more than we are. Yeah, absolutely. 
Bob, your your two cents on how to get you know the younger generation up and running, and and, and like like Don said, finding their bliss in AV. Yeah, well, uh, you know, similarly, I I grew up with you know a lot of that stuff, and there were, there were toys in my generation. You know, I, my first, but probably the most exciting thing I got as a gift when I was uh, about eight years old was an analog tape recorder, and I just thought it was like the coolest thing in the world. And I was recording every sound in the world, and the one thing I've noticed, and in many conversations I've had with people who I grew up in the industry with, their equipment and gear you know, 30 years ago or so going back a ways was, you know, it was, it was bigger, it was beefier, it was sexier, it was more tangible. Um, there was a more visceral connection to equipment. Now we still have hardware, but I think we have to recognize that so much of that since the digital era, there's so much of that now that has become software. And so I think that probably the hook point for some of the younger people coming up in the industry is to to basically recognize that their tweakiness, if if you want to use that term, um, it could just as well be on the software end as on the hardware end. You know, they may be pulling apart cameras and displays and microphones, but they're just as likely to be you know working on software and and doing coding. So there's innovation and there's inspiration happening on that level too. And and of course, as we know, much more of the uh, of the puzzle is is becoming digital and you know, while we still have the endpoints to deal with, that stuff in the middle, um, you know, there there's just as many kids, I think, growing up who feel comfortable, you know, writing new new apps and, and, and feeling that there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of things going on on that end of it as well. They may not have a feel for speakers or, you know, microphones or cameras, but they certainly understand the world of IT and the world of code, which, of course, is, is a much more important component of it uh, than, than it ever has been. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that is going to do it for uh, for this week. Thank you so much. Miss Dawn Mead, thank you. Uh, how do people find you and or NetAV? Well, you can find NetAV online. Our website is www.net-av.com. Um, you can find me here at avnation.tv hosting the AV Social Podcast and periodically popping up in blogs and on AV Week. Um, I have been working to reboot avdawn.com, which was my website that started all of this off way back how many years ago when I first met Tim. And, of course, you can always find me on social media, particularly Twitter, at avdawn. All right, very good. Uh, Mr. Bob, thank you, sir. Thank you. How Great being here. Absolutely. How do people find you or get a hold of you? Uh, probably best way is through LinkedIn. So it would be uh, linkedin.com in and Bob Tambori. And you'll find my page and install my stuff. All right. Very good. Appreciate it. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, at this point, I'm counting down my days to ISC 2017, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program, a host of others, Dawn's AV Social, uh, our weekly look at uh, residential, uh, which is called Resi Week, uh, which is this program, only looking at the, the residential market. Uh, actually, this coming, uh, coming week, we're going to be talking with uh, a board member of Cedia and uh, Vin Bruno from Cedia about Cedia selling off uh, their expo show. So t- stay tuned to that. Uh, we are headed to ISC, so check that page out if you would. Uh, we're starting a new contest with ISC. We're, we're trying something out called Find AV Nation. Uh, check that page out. You can win some really cool prizes, some really great folks that are, are helping us out with that as well. 
And uh, check out our underwriters, if you would, please. Our underwriters, we have a different uh, advertising marketing model. Uh, it's called Underwriting. It's for a reason. You can check out the page. But uh, there's some really great companies that help us do what we do with, like, going to ISC and, and Infocom and stuff like that. So check that all that out at avnation.tv. avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. This has been AV Week. Thank you.